Osiris. Welcome to the State of the Garden. This is the official podcast of the New Jersey Cannabis Industry Association. I'm your host, Tom Marshall. Hello and welcome to State of the Garden. This is Tom Marshall, your host. And we are in Princeton, New Jersey today, and I'm very honored that several members of the executive team at the New Jersey Cannabis Industry Association have joined me here today. Uh, And that includes the president, Hugh O'Byrne, and the founder, Dara Service, and the director of operations, Dwayne Dinkins. And today we have a special guest. We are putting the industry back in Cannabis Industry Association uh, we have a representative from Weed Maps, a national company, and today with us we have Kelly Hikes. Hi, Kelly. Hi. So, Kelly, before we get into the weeds, so to speak, of um, legislative updates and such, could you tell us a little bit about your organization first on the national level and then what you plan to do or are doing in New Jersey? Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me here today. Sure. I'm excited to be here in Princeton, and I'm excited to be a part of, we're very excited to be a part of NJCIA Glad to as have well. you. Um, so, WeMaps is the oldest and largest technology company that services the cannabis industry. So, anywhere in the world that has legal cannabis, you can use our, our app uh, to find uh, legal retail spaces to purchase cannabis. You can find delivery when those services are available. You can search by brand or look by product so that you're not searching all over for something specific. You'll be able to find that on your app and then go to that retail location to make that purchase. That's the way most people interact with Weed Maps. They download our app and they use it to find safe legal cannabis anywhere that it is legal in the world. So it's sort of a massive directory. Correct. A lot of people like to like to akin it to um, you know where the the Yelp of pot. Oh, okay. Um, I would I would beg to differ. I would say we're a little bit better than that because we also have a learning section on our website. We have a very robust community as well where people and patients can find the information that they need to be able to make the best decisions in coordination with their physician um, as possible as far as how they medicate or how they recreate with cannabis. Um, that said, we also have um, a back-end uh, portion of our, of our organization. We sell software. Uh, to cannabis businesses all along the supply chain to keep them compliant with state and federal guidelines as well as helping them keep really focusing in on the attention that cannabis businesses need and the support that they need from their software. Um, With all of that said, we're a tech company and a lot of people are, are wondering why a tech company has a standalone government relations department. It's called WM Policy. And that's what I do. I work, I'm the director of government relations for Weed Maps. And what we do is because we, our company touch is everywhere where there is legal cannabis, we have a very unique perspective. We don't seek licenses. We don't sell the product directly. We never touch the plant. But we do do is comparative analysis all across the world in those markets where there is legal cannabis to identify best practices and what policy works, what policy doesn't work, and how to improve upon um, policies that have been developed and, and need to be further developed for both 
business uh, and consumer satisfaction. So how do those policies come across to the consumer? Basically, what we do is we help legislators at all levels of government set up responsible cannabis policy. So where is it working really well right now? You know, I think it's actually working really well right now in New Jersey. And I know that that makes a lot of people take pause for a second because we're not legal yet. Um, But what New Jersey, the place that New Jersey is right now is every other state in in this country that has gone um, for adult use marijuana, they have done that through the ballot, except for Vermont. However, Vermont doesn't have a commercial structure and New Jersey will have a commercial structure, meaning that we will license people to grow, to manufacture and to sell in a retail environment as well as deliver cannabis. Um, And all of that will be done through the legislature Everyone else went through a ballot initiative, and the right. people that pay for those ballot initiatives don't necessarily have um, they don't necessarily have the broad-reaching and comparative analysis at their fingertips to be able to say this is how we're going to do it, and this is how we're going to improve from the last time. It's kind of a, a basic package, and a lot of things are often left out and left to the state legislatures to either. Um, get a supermajority to fix or yep. are, they're left silent and they have to address them in a different way. And here in New Jersey, what we were able to do is take all of the improvements that have been made in you know this 10-year-old market, approximately 10-year-old market for retail cannabis, and build them into the bill. And so New Jersey will be the first state that has delivery right from the very beginning it will be the first state that expressly permits consumption spaces so that people have a safe legal place to consume cannabis. It's actually very exciting because Colorado doesn't expressly permit it or prohibit it. And so some, so some local jurisdictions have gone to the point of licensing Canada has some provinces that are now legal for consumption. Correct. Some not, Correct. though, as well. Correct. I, I work a lot in Canada, and it is it is definitely a patchwork. Um, it's very interesting. Um, you know, but New Jersey will have... This is so exciting for New Jersey because yeah. we are... We have such highly densely populated areas. We have multi-unit housing. We have um, a decent population of folks that are living in subsidized housing. Landlords will be able to retain the right to refuse to allow people to consume cannabis um, oh, okay. on so their property. Consumption Just like, spaces might actually be needed by them absolutely. to enjoy it. Absolutely. Even though it's legal. And Correct. anything in your house, presumably that's legal, should be allowed. Well, I mean, yeah, they can they can say no pets, for example. So they can this say would be no similar. pets. You're they right. can say no tobacco. They retain the right to to limit what you can do um, based okay. on the terms of the lease. And so, you know, I, I don't think very many people are fighting that. What they're fighting for is to make sure that individuals that are in that situation, federally subsidized housing, because cannabis is still federally illegal. Those folks are subject to termination of their of their um, leases if right. they are using cannabis on property. Folks that are in those highly densely populated urban areas, particularly, um, 
are, have uh, much higher levels of renting versus homeownership. Yeah. And so, again, we want to make sure that those folks have a safe, legal place to consume cannabis. They and so are be you, limited. as Weed Maps, are you guys lobbying uh, for this? Like, did Absolutely. you help? Oh, uh, cool. So you helped Absolutely. get the legislation passed and or, or you're helping. Right. So again, big picture when you're when you're looking at policy development, it would be really easy for a company like Weed Maps to focus in just on how to make sure how to ensure that the most number of people can get businesses business licenses that would advertise on Weed Maps. Right. However, to be the best directory you can be. Absolutely. But and you're that's doing important. the ancillary stuff uh, of the support stuff underneath as well. Correct. And and really the bottom line is our company makes money, and I, I like to be very upfront about it. Our company makes money when the illegal market diminishes and the legal market has the opportunity to thrive. So we have to look at everything that has to do with cannabis policy development to be able to help build that best system, not only for the community, not only for weed maps, but for the entire community of cannabis users. And, and, and that right includes, now, it sounds like New Jersey is that shining beacon right now. I think so. I think <laughs> well, we're so. proud to be in New Jersey, right? Everyone, Absolutely. Everyone here. So um, uh, if you don't mind, uh, really quick, I think it's time that we talk to Dara a little bit about what just happened in the legislation in the last month or so. Sure. Um, thanks, Tom, for having me here. And Kelly, I uh, really always appreciate the cautious optimism. Um, but I do agree. I think we're in a really great place. Uh, we saw the bills, all three bills, the medical expansion bill and the expungement bill, as well as the legalization of adult use bill, pass in the committees that they put them up for on Monday, November 26th. And we're really on a pathway upward and onward. They are more accepting of introducing some new amendments that make the changes that the advocates have been fighting for. Um, Was the intention for a vote to be on December 17th so we could get this done in 2018? Yeah, I think like that was really the notion that people thought was going to happen. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think that the front office was really there on all the components of the legislation. And there was a lot of members in the legislature that weren't willing to, you know, spend some political capital to put their neck on the line to vote in favor of a bill that would inevitably have been vetoed because it wasn't what the governor had campaigned on. So... You know, going back to the drawing board on some things, we're not we're not upset about. I mean, they're really doing some due diligence and and trying to get the pieces of the puzzle right. Um, and I don't think anyone would complain if instead of December it happens in January, right? That's not a big deal. Is that what we're looking at pretty much early in the new year? January, February, you know, quarter <clears throat> one. You know, if they if they kick the can too far down the road, we get into election cycles. Um, they have until about March to decide on the revenue piece, and that seems to be a point of contention for a lot of members. Um, the tax rate, getting that piece correct, um, is really important, and they have until March because uh, then we start our budget season. And so what was agreed upon then? What passed? What passed yeah. is 12% with a 2% excise, so 14 in totality. I don't know which if is I know the what that lowest means. in the nation. Well, I'm here with Hugh O'Byrne, and um, he would be happy to break it down. Thank you, Dara. I think that's exactly right with respect to uh, retail sales. 
Okay. However, the excise tax also provides, uh, the excise tax goes to what we would say intrust supply chain. So as the various licenses represent different parts of the cannabis uh, product cycle, whether it be cultivating, processing, um, wholesaling, or retailing, at each piece of that, there is a 2% opportunity for uh, the locality in which the facility associated with that operation is located. So on the sales focus, our sales tax at the state level is 12%, which is um, basically five point something something uh, percent cannabis tax on top of our current sales tax. The local excise tax can be anywhere between, um, I suppose, 16 uh, all in, 16 or 18 percent, depending upon what what path the product moved through the supply chain. A brief example: uh, a cultivator cultivates in town A is subject to two percent tax on the wholesale sale to uh, other operations. So there's 2% on the cultivation. That sells to a processor in um, town B, Right. Uh, 2% there. That processor sells to a wholesaler, uh, 2% there in town C. And then town D is the retail establishment. It sells uh, to the retail customer, 2% at that point. So potentially 8% um, is what the consumer will absorb Wow. At, at moment and um, uh, in, in in local tax. Okay. Which would be the lowest in the nation? Michigan's actually the lowest at just under 10%, but... 8% would be the lowest. But uh, no, all in. But is that Michigan's... All in, medical? Michigan's Michigan is medical at and just under 10% when retail sales start likely late next year. Um, they'll switch over and medical will drop and um, and and uh, adult use will be in that still sub 10%. Does Michigan's model drop the sales tax on medical immediately? As soon as when? retail sales be as mm-hmm. soon as retail sales begin. That's something that we'd like to see happen for New Jersey, not this right. phase down in the sales tax. It's the only medicine that is taxed anywhere. Right. So currently currently the medical program is subject to normal sales tax. The view in the current medical bill that's proposed is that that tax rate will step down to zero over a period of years. Um, it, 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 the best practice, I think, clearly would be to be protective of the medical program, to be favorable towards patients. Uh, would be to zero out the sales tax, like many other states have done, when the adult use sales commence. And I think that's very important to maintain the integrity and the accessibility and desirability of the medical program and incentivizing patients to look to cannabis for actual treatments through a physician's lens as opposed to self-medicating in the adult use population. So there, there is something really to do there. And then, of course, with this excise tax that we talked about, there is a danger that if you're stepping down the tax rate, um, the uh, patient may actually be absorbing a higher tax because the upstream supply chain, the cultivators and the processors, they don't know if they're selling medical ultimately or, oh, me- or, 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 or adult use. So they are going to get their tax. They'll pass that along in the supply chain. So even if the retail point of sale 
the patient isn't paying the retail tax, including the retail excise tax, wow. the supply chain of maybe up to 6% could be hitting them. So if you don't zero out the current tax, you could end up with a 12, 11, 12% tax rate. We got very complicated yeah. just in a, like in this room in 10 minutes, like I can, I can just imagine what happened, you know, behind the scenes at the, you know, the legislators trying to trying to put this into a bill. I think this is why it's still happening. It's still happening. This is why we're okay. Yeah. And I think people get really frustrated because they'd love to see everything be done. We would love to see everything be done. Right. But these are real issues. Yeah. And there's a lot of thoughtful people. Would you say tax, like in terms of behind the scenes issues, would you say tax is the biggest one? It kind of is, right? So you guys think all keep looking at me. So I do. I think that I, I think that the tax rates, and I think that some of the the structure of the Cannabis Control Commission. I think that there, are, it's very highly technical things that the average consumer is not really paying attention to. The good news with the tax rate is that we have a little bit of wiggle room from what is proposed and what is um, would be an unfortunate mistake for New Jersey to make. Um, again, we do Weed Mouse does comparative analysis across every every jurisdiction that has legal cannabis in one form or another, and we've been able to kind of pinpoint a breaking point. People are willing to pay a premium for safe, legal, tested product that can be delivered to their home or purchased in um, you know, a moderate to high-end retail setting. And that, that price point is about 20%. So as long as we keep that effective tax rate below 20%, we're in really, really good shape. Unfortunately, there are jurisdictions out west that have incredibly high tax rates. Local governments are able to tax um, directly up to 30, 40, 50 percent, and that product cannot compete with the illegal market. Um, and the whole entire point of this entire exercise is to get a safe legal product to people, reduce the risks, and increase the enjoyment of the product. And that can be done with when we make sure that the effective tax rate is below that 20% threshold. Um, if we don't have a thriving legal market, the illegal market is going to boom. And all of the positive things that we're looking to do with this bill, the social justice reforms, um, the safe tested product, the reduction in youth um, youth usage rates and um, an increase in the age when people first initiate their cannabis use, we lose those opportunities if we don't have local governments that provide a place for these businesses to operate and we don't provide, a, we don't ensure that the product can be accessible and affordable to the people that want to buy it. Right. Right. So now since all these things are still subject to change, so to speak, have we kind of taken a step backwards? Or? I think there's a lot in the... Um legislation that needs to change um, and I think there's a lot that members of the legislature aren't necessarily comfortable with um, so no I don't feel like we've taken a step back I think we are working aggressively to make sure that they're comfortable so that when they do bring this to the floor that they can actually vote with a clear conscience and they know exactly what it is that they're voting on and they can go back to their constituents and feel comfortable especially as we enter an election cycle in November. So even despite these changes the big voting is sort of we accomplished that already. Is that right? Yes and no. They have to go back and vote on the amendments that they will put uh, in. That's what I was wondering. So, okay. yeah, they, no, it can't, they can't just. You can't just shuffle that in there. No. Sneak some paper no, in no, there. No. and. I, I mean, I think it's likely that they'll go back to committee mm -hmm. with because the amount of amendments. Okay. And that's okay. Uh, otherwise, they'd have to 
vote on the floor for each and every amendment. And there's a lot of making the bills sort of fit together. I see. Just drafting mm-hmm. that and would I think have it, to be it able- looks it looks better oh. that they're they're yeah. Not, I don't want to say going backwards because I don't. I think we're progressively moving the ball forward. Yep. Um, and I think it's really important that instead of receiving a conditional veto on point A, point B, point C, that they address those concerns before it even gets to the governor's desk. Yep. So there's no question, and he does actually, in fact, sign a piece of legislation that we'd like to see become law. Absolutely. So, Kelly, it looked like you wanted to say something about the time frame of the bill. So I think it's really important for us to remember that perfection cannot be the enemy of progress in this situation. In any bill, in any legislature, um, there are going to be changes that need to be made. The changes that are being discussed right now are highly technical. And the important part that that sometimes we get lost on and we don't we forget is that there's a general consensus that we want legalization in New Jersey. And we want to make sure that we're moving forward and that and so four to six weeks, you know, mid-January to, to work out some of these technical changes, absolutely worth the time and the diligent effort that this legislature is putting into it. That said, if we allow perfection to be the enemy of progress, we're going to lose all of the benefits that come with legalization. Every day that we wait to move these bills forward, there are medical patients that don't have access to to their medication. There are people that are accessing a product from the illegal market and they don't know how it is being grown. They don't know what pesticides are being used. They don't know what contaminants are in their product. And that's what we're trying to get. So practical on a forward. practical basis, there's there's a clock ticking always. But but on a legal basis, it's kind of we're trying to get the right thing into law. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's a necessity. Like the accessibility is is a necessity, as P- Kelly said. Patients need to access their medicine, and we have a serious issue right now. Um, yep. With that said, history hasn't necessarily been kind to New Jersey in in terms of our neighboring states, and they are very close behind us in in hashing out their legislation and putting forth a bill that would legalize. And time and time again, Pennsylvania and New York has eaten New Jersey's lunch because we've been slow to the finish line. We're going to beat them this time. That's the hope. That's the goal. It's Fingers the cautious crossed. optimism. Fingers crossed. So, uh, you know, along these lines of, of never making the perfect the enemy of the good and all of the work that's going into this, I, I have to, we should just take a moment. I'm, I'm stunned pleasantly. Um, and Kelly, tell me if you agree. I can't think of another intro piece of adult use legislation in the nation that is so, uh, shows so much care for an entrepreneurial context for broad-based participation by the residents of the state. I mean, I really find that really, it's very complicated, but it's, the intention is so impressive to me. But am I missing something? No, I think you're right. You're absolutely on the right track. Legislators here in New Jersey have done an incredible job and have been very, very upfront about how they want to strike the right balance. They want New Jersey residents to be first in line. They want... New Jerseyans to serve New Jerseyans. That said, they 
acknowledge and understand that it takes quite a bit of capital to be able to get these businesses up and running and to meet the standards that they're going to be putting in place, as well as exceeding the standards that are going to be put in place. There are some communities here in New Jersey that, that to be able to be a successful business will have incredible um, capital in, investments in addition to what the statutory requirements are going to be. We're talking, you know, it's not unreasonable to think of a $12 million initial investment for some of these small business owners. And so this legislation and the process and the thoughtfulness that has gone in with legislators to make sure that not only New Jerseyans are getting, are going to be able to be the leaders in this business, but that they're going to be able to access capital from out-of-state interest and be able to access capital from people that have experience in other more mature markets. Finding that balance, this is the first state that I know of, and I work across the country and in Canada, that has um, made that such an important tenet of the legislation. And I'm really proud that we're working on it because I'm hoping that this becomes the best practice that we move forward in other states. That's sort of uh, something I've asked before of people uh, in this room and elsewhere recording this podcast is how are people able to borrow money to start businesses when on the federal level it's still illegal. So if you borrow from a bank that does business not just in New Jersey, they'll say no. It's very difficult to access capital, and so what we see is, you know, angel investors and capital, um, uh, capital uh, growth groups, and um, investment firms and individuals. Really, um, some of the most interesting financing, creative financing, um, you know, everything from like a GoFundMe site all the way up to, um, you know, multi-billion dollars, multi-billion dollar. Um, entrepreneurs in a room being pitched on cannabis businesses by the guy that lives down the road. And it's it's quite fascinating. Um, I think that's part of the reason why this industry is going to be so successful in New Jersey, because it demands that creative people work with other creative people um, with varying degrees of capital to, to be able to to meet consumer needs, to be able to meet the statutory obligations that are going to be before them, and then to meet the consumer demands as well as the community standards that are that um, are either explicit or implicitly implied. You know, we forgot to mention something major that actually also happened um, the week leading up to the major vote that happened on the 26th of November. The governor actually signed the hemp bill that would allow for New Jersey farmers to, it's a pilot program that would allow for them to grow hemp. And hemp's used in in a multitude of products, not just um, CBD, but textiles, uh, concrete, um, building building materials. And and that's an incredible step forward um, for our state, being that we are the garden state, and this is state of the garden. Um, being able to to utilize the plant in a in a more comprehensive way, not just our state, but Congress and and the Senate also just passed the Mitch McConnell hemp legislation. Uh, so you know our, our our lawmakers are really doing a great job to better understand this plant on a, on a whole. So with regard to hemp, was the state law necessary now that federally it's legal? 
I think so. I mean, it, it, we're taking the necessary steps to ensure that there will be a participation from our state. Now, with that said, there's a lot of things in the federal legislation that, you know, they'll have to figure out on a regulatory basis here in New Jersey, but that's why, you know, the NJCIA is here to, to work through those departments and figure out what makes sense for New Jersey. That's great. You guys have painted an incredibly uh, bright picture about the future of legalization. If we're uh, if we stick to Kelly's schedule four to six weeks from now, we might be seeing an amazingly interesting vote happening. That's uh, the hope. Yep, I hope we do that. Um, uh, of course, you know. It's the goal. It's the goal. It is the goal. And of course, you know, all these people in this room are working hard to make that happen. So thank you all and thank all the listeners who have made State of the Garden possible this past season. Thanks again, Tom, for allowing us to, to be here and be part of the podcast and, mm -hmm. and give the listeners a, uh, a little inside clip to what's, what's going on here in the Garden State. And a very special thanks to our guest, Kelly Hikes from Weed Maps. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Can I make one last little pitch? Please. So we've been talking about getting this legislation over the finish line, and there's an opportunity to contact your legislators and let them know that you appreciate the diligence that they put into striking that balance between um, moving forward um, and, and finding the best possible way. But like we said, we want to get, get that over the line, and we have the opportunity through rules and regulation and in the years to come to make course corrections as necessary. So I'd really encourage people to go to www.wmpolicy.com. You can sign up, and we'll give you uh, pre-populated um, sample letters that you can send to your legislators um, via email, or you can take the initiative and pick up the phone and give them a call yourself and ask them to make sure that they vote for cannabis legalization uh, in 2019. Wonderful. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.